welcome to my next episode of my podcast. I am churning these things out as if I am suffering from some kind of, how would you call it, you know, shooting disease. I'm just churning them out as best as I can. I'm going back to my roots. Not that people criticized me. You would have noticed that the last two uh, guests are from the Black community. And I've got someone else again from the Black community. So look, I am, you know, I, I, I'm increasing the 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 quota for my podcast to 100% for Black people because quite a number of comics and people, my guests, are from the white community. And there's nothing wrong in that. But, you know, there's so much I want to give this platform you know, a voice, uh, voices from all over the world. And uh, I am not going to waste any time on this. I'm going to say thank you to every single one of you who have continued to download my podcast in 25 countries right now, 25 countries, four dictatorship regimes, and the others are democratic nations. But it's okay. I am looking forward to other <laughs> dictatorship regimes. Uh, it gives me great pleasure to introduce this man to you. I, before I even introduce him, I'm going to tell you, and he may not remember because he's getting quite old now, so maybe Hasimah's might have set in. Uh, Mr. C Comedian, I met him many, many years ago. We're talking probably 12 years ago before I became a military president. I was a civilian president. I did five minutes I didn't know what I was doing in a place called The Hyde in, I think it's in Streatham. It's a black comedy scene. And geez, I have to say to you that day, I died miserably, died in front of my people. <laughs> I literally died. And I knew I died because after I left the stage, I saw Mr. C and Mr. C didn't even acknowledge me. <laughs> And that's how you know, as a comedian, you, <laughs> you have actually died. And to be fair, I'm not the sort of person who will say, oh, I blame it on the other acts. The other two acts, I can't remember the names, they were, they killed, you know, they, they smashed it. They really smashed it. But come on, I was just being unfair to myself. It was the first, probably my second or third gig. And someone said, go and try that. I think it's called the hideout. I can't remember where it's the hideout. Hideaway. 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 Yeah, hideaway. And damn. I died in front of my people. I have to say, it's probably why I crossed over to the mainstream circuit because I just thought, <laughs> <laughs> black people don't find me funny. But anyway, they do, they honestly do. It gives me Thank great you. pleasure to introduce Mr. Mm -hmm. C. Uh, I have asked my people to actually do some research. So I'm hoping that this CV is up to date. Cool, charming, conscious. Mr. C is fast becoming one of the new comedians. Anyway, I, I know that is absolutely wrong because he's not a new comedian. He's been around <laughs> for quite That's a while. <laughs> to watch out for uh, on this circus of fun, Mr. C has performed at various venues such as Hackney Empire, the Comedy Store, John Gullers, and has also supported Rudy Liku, Ginny Yashere, Curtis Walker, Angeli Ma, the late Felix Dexter, on their UK tours. His comedy achievements range from doing warm-up sh shows for BBC One, Blouse and Skirt, to being voted to the best male newcomer at the prestigious Black Entertainment Comedy Award. Look, this, this is a very extensive, when I say extensive, extensive. And I've also noticed on his CV that he's actually entertained. And I am wearing a military uniform. He has entertained troops at US military bases in Germany, 
NATO headquarters in Belgium, hosting Hackney empires. Look, the list is endless. And I know one of my people also said he's been involved in Big Nasty, the Big Nasty uh, program, I believe, but he will correct me if that is uh, uh, um, wrong. But one well, of the things I like, one of, sorry? That is that is correct. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, good. So my and big comedy nasty show. Big you, nasty you have to show. be careful how you, how you use English, uh, President, because it, people saying that I'm involved with Big Nasty, they may think it's a relationship. <laughs> 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 but what it is, it's the Big Nasty show. That's <laughs> what you see. I don't care what whatever swings your boat, Mister Mister C. Whatever swings your boat. But there was one. There's one thing. You know, every comic has a catchphrase, and I don't know whether he thinks this is a catchphrase, but one of the things that resonated with me when I first started comedy, and I saw him do this a lot, not necessarily on stage. I just, I just think this is his, his unique, this is his own way of creating his comedy persona. He says, laughing at life, live, love, laugh. That I remember him saying that on a regular basis and on his post. And, you know, with all due respect, people say I introduce people for too long, you know, but this is my podcast. I do what I want, you know, <laughs> I do what I want. But Mr. C., it is lovely to have you here. I know you are a very busy man, and uh, but it is it is an honor. You know, Mr. C is the first person. Let me tell you, the first person I arranged uh, an appointment with him, and for one reason or another, I I believe uh, either I forgot or he forgot, and then I wrote to him and I said, "Why didn't you call me, man?" And I said, "Look, I am supposed to be a dictator." <laughs> <laughs> So, Mr. C, it's good to see you. How are you? I'm good, my brother. And what a what an introduction! What a welcome! I feel absolutely honoured, man. It, it, it's it's the warmest introduction I've ever received in my 22 years. So, thank you, sir. Salute, man. You know, absolute a lot of you, you know a lot of people comment about my introduction. So, it's making me think that maybe I should just give up performing stand-up comedy and find a way of uh, just introducing people on stage. You know, for five. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. But also, you compliment me on my introduction. I will say this, not because I'm patronizing you. I remember mm. a gig that we did together in Luton. You might not remember. Wow, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That introduction that you gave me on stage, no one, since I have been performing stand-up comedy for the past 11 years, no one, and I don't mean to offend anyone, has been able to introduce me the way you did. You see, when you thank introduced you. me that day, my head just i felt like a real president what the hell what how can how can you you know i didn't even have to do anything people were laughing already by that introduction so thank you so much so where what's been happening to you how how, how have you been coping we i see you've grown a beard how you've been coping with the lockdown <laughs> yeah man I've, I've, my beard my beard is growing uh, my beard is doing the opposite thing what my wallet is doing my, my wallet is shrinking while my beard is growing. So, you know, <laughs> either way, I, I, I might have less money, but I've got more beard. So I have to give thanks, man. It's a blessing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so uh, are you aware of the roadmap in terms of what the government is planning? Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen and I've heard uh, the, the, the plans, what Boris has made out for the country and for ourselves. Um, I'm a little bit apprehensive because I've seen Boris move in one direction and then all of a sudden he's u-turned into a different direction so you know i'll watch and see um i mean common sense i've already i've already predicted um that the the numbers of coronavirus victims will decrease um and again i'm sure that they will take full credit as regards to the vaccination 
the success of the vaccination to those numbers being reduced. So hopefully uh, that should be enough encouragement for them to say, okay, let's try and return to some kind of normality. However, I've got a feeling that once the numbers start increasing again, coming the winter months, then Boris may have a change of heart and a change of plan again. So it's very, very difficult at the moment to kind of predict um, how the industry is going to move forward in this particular time and this particular moment. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what happens in the, in the latter half of the, the, the quarter of the year. Yeah, I, I think you are absolutely right. I, I'm not saying the vaccination is not working, but I also feel like you said, the weather the change in weather, you know, all of a sudden it's become a bit bright. <laughs> no more dark days. And all of a sudden, yeah, let's change the strategy. You know, I'm not in government, but that is my the, my skeptic way of, of looking at it. Let's talk about the black community in terms of vaccination, because I understand mm. that there is a lot of reluctance from our people. And we know it's our people who have died the most. What's your view on vaccination? Have you been vaccinated yet? Um, no, I, I received a text message on Monday, um, to which I was I was going to reply, but I thought, um, you know, go and give the vaccine to your granny first wasn't appropriate, so I didn't reply. Mm -hmm. um, I, they can keep on sending me as many text messages as they want. I'm, I'm not having it. I, my mind is made up. It's not going to change. Um, and, and that's it. That's the end of it for me. Why are you not having uh, it, Mr. C? Um... I'm a man who I like to I like to do my own research for things, President. And from since this whole thing has started, uh, there's been uh, a lack of decent information. There's been a lack of a balanced conversation as regards to the the the, the reasons why this thing is happening, uh, where it's really from, um, who it's really affecting. There's from the very from day one, there's been miscommunication and a lack of intelligent conversation as well. Mm -hmm. So for me, that, that, that says quite a few things. That, that rings up a, a, quite a few uh, red flags for me. First red flag being is that is either this is pure hocus pocus or you don't know what you're doing. Either way, I don't feel comfortable with relying on you for information anymore. So I need to now go and source my own information. Um, I have, I've always had problem with statistics and the way how statistics are, are shown especially in the media um and never to trust those sources and always try to look further and deeper than than what is shown to me because i, I have a full understanding as a comedian of what misdirection is mm -hmm. Mm. and that's why i think comedy and politics we we have a good relationship <laughs> because we know how to misguide people so they don't see things what are coming, mm -hmm. like the punchline, mm. or in government, the punch. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I feel that there's more to this thing than what meets the eye. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of unanswered questions. And until we're having some proper discussions or some proper debate, then that vaccination isn't, that vaccination is not for me. And just <clears throat> on the point of why I'm saying that is because when this whole thing started last year and you know it, it got really serious when they had when we entered the first lockdown i looked at the numbers the numbers were that 0.02% were catching coronavirus mm -hmm. were getting coronavirus or dying from coronavirus I can't remember mm -hmm. which one 0.02% 
that around about 90, 90 something percent of people who caught the virus recovered from it. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like, there's no need to shut down the whole country for this. You know, um, there's, there's deaths every year with, with, with flu and influenza. Um, it doesn't make any common sense to me. The other thing as well, uh, President, is that I said to myself, you know what? They've got the normal flu. And they've got a vaccination for the normal flu, mm-hmm. for the average normal Joe Bloggs flu. Mm-hmm. You may as well call it the, 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 um, the Tesco's no frills flu. Mm-hmm. Yeah? It's not, it's not a, 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 any special brand branded flu it's just mm-hmm. a regular no frills flu mm-hmm. and they've got they've got a vaccination for that mm-hmm. but i know a lot of people have had that vaccination and they still get the flu mm-hmm. so i'm thinking if you can't create a, a normal vaccination that can get rid of bog standard flu how are you now going to get build a vaccination that deals with super bad flu mm-hmm. you know we're talking about marks and spencer's flu <laughs> <laughs> This now, is not just any other. <laughs> this is not just any ordinary kind of flu. This is Marks and Spencer's, Spencer's flu. flu. <laughs> yeah, this is the kind of flu that if it gets you, it can make you fly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's you funny. fly away. If you you can fly you away. Wrong. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, for me, yeah, it's, it's it's like yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me, uh, mm. President. Go go on, sir. Yeah, I I I, I respect your respect your opinion I, i'm i'm in the, the it's it's difficult obviously because we know the history as well in terms of vaccinations and the things that they've done to the black community and what really annoys me about britain is and it's happening now with the royal family and that's a subject i want to talk to you about in terms of megan is the mm-hmm. communication you know if you if you get it right the first time then everybody will believe you but when they, it's all disjointed do you understand what I'm saying? It's just all over the place. Uh, I, I received a text, obviously, uh, but they said they thought I was over 80. Um, I know black don't crack, but they said over 80. And so I knew, <laughs> I knew it wasn't I knew, <laughs> I knew it wasn't for me, but um, mm. yeah, it is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Uh, let's talk about the Megan situation at the moment with Harry. Uh, and uh, I don't know whether you have any views or whether you've caught up with the fact that there's a documentary coming up soon. The royal with family, Oprah. Now, yeah, and the royal family are now accusing uh, uh, Meghan of bullying when she was in the palace. And, and I, 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 I basically said, uh, wrote said to someone this morning that as far as I'm concerned, the royal family are actually providing us with evidence or making us believe what the rumors were about Harry and Diana many, many years ago by their actions. Uh, you, you know, what's, what's your view? Do you think because they're saying Prince Philip uh, has a bad heart and this is not the time to release a documentary. It looks like they're sweating, like Prince Andrew, really sweating, <laughs> you know? I don't know what your view is on this, but, you know, I would say, uh, you know, they're, they're being racist. There's no two ways about it. Uh, uh, me personally, um, uh, well, look, uh, uh, is a royal family racist? I, I, I don't know. And I, I, I like to believe that I don't think they are. Uh, Prince Philip, most likely the Queen, highly unlikely. Um, any of the other, you know, Prince Charles, definitely not racist. Um, Princess Anne, 
I would say probably not, but she could she could have a tendency, but she's if she has, she she she'll put duty before her preference as regards to racism. But uh, from the work that I've seen her do within community and youth mm -hmm. work, I'd have to say no. Mm -hmm. If you hated black people, you wouldn't be doing that kind of work. Even yeah. if it was a smokescreen, you wouldn't have been doing it for that long. You would have find a, a, an excuse to come out of it. So on the whole, I would say the royal, the royal family is not racist. However, they they are like a lot of institutions in this country which are buried in old school and old fashioned ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that, yes, definitely um, Princess Diana was the first to challenge some of those ways. Mm -hmm. um, I think the the outpour of the public love for Princess Diana um, kind of forced them to change one or two of those old fashioned ways as well, mm. um, which probably the queen, uh, you know, she, you've got to remember this is that she's the first, she's the firstborn of a particular heir to the throne. Mm -hmm. uh, and once you are the firstborn to the heir to the throne, as you would know, president, um, you're burdened with responsibility, yeah, yeah. which the other children do not have. Uh, so if we look at say the queen, uh, Elizabeth, once she knew that she was going to be heir to the throne, the rest of her siblings go on about their business and enjoy themselves. Princess Margaret must have, must have grind out the whole of the Caribbean and everything. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. And and this is not me being loose with my words. It's a well-known fact. Princess Margaret love a black man. She loved, she loved man. <laughs> yeah? Love man. <laughs> because she knew she was never going to be queen, yeah. so she could go and do what she wanted. Mm. You see what I mean? While, while, while Queen Elizabeth... Uh, um, knows that she has to carry that burden of responsibility that one day she will put on that crown. You see mm. what I mean? And if we look at the royal family, if we look at, say, Prince Charles, for example, you know, he had to carry that burden, not because mm. he wanted to. Mm. He wanted to be, you know, when he was younger, he was he was out there with the three degrees and everything. Mm. But when it came to a certain age, where they're thinking, oh, well, you know what? We don't know when the Queen's going to go. Yeah, It's time for you to tidy up your... <laughs> so what you need to do, you need to you need to make sure now that you've got ears to the throne. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So literally, what happened was that he was now um, um, had this burden of responsibility where he's now got to find a wife mm. who's who's pure mm. because she has to be a princess. Mm. He also now has to make sure that that pure princess bears him children, which are legitimate. Mm -hmm. But now the rest of his his siblings, you know, I, when was the last time anybody see Prince Edward and what is Prince Edward up to? <laughs> nobody gives nobody gives a damn. Well, but, but they give a damn about Prince Andrew. <laughs> no, well, we didn't at the time. If we knew what Prince Andrew was doing, some of us would have stopped him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Prince Prince Andrews, it, it, it seemed like he tried to take over from youth services in the wrong way. <laughs> you know, the best analogy in terms of the pressure on queen on the queen is even if you're not royal you're, you're the firstborn of any family is always mm. under pressure what i've never really understood is how william and harry have just you know they're not unified you know they're just that disagreement well, there, yeah well there you go and that's a mm. prime, prime example because what we had now was two brothers who were very tight mm. And very, 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 you know, that's all they had was each other. After mm. their mother died, that's mm -hmm. all they had was each other. And you mm -hmm. could see that they was inseparable with that. Yeah. But what's happened now is that 
the queen is reaching us a very, very, uh, how can I put it? The queen's in her last 10 years. Let's, mm. let's be honest. Mm. You know, she, I, I doubt it very much if she's going to, if she's going to live long. She may do, but I'm saying literally where she's at now, we're looking at another 10 years maximum for the queen. Well, Philip, so is, still, Philip, Philip is still alive. Philip is going to do another 10 years. No, it doesn't matter about Philip because mm. as soon as the queen goes, Philip's, Philip has no, he's Bro. not going to be king. Mm. He's got no role. You see what I'm mm. saying? That's why he is Prince Philip. He's not mm. King Philip. He's Prince <laughs> Philip. So Camilla yeah. will never be queen. <laughs> Camilla could never be queen because mm. um, that's why she's a duchess, because mm. she's not pure. Mm. You see what I mean? Mm. That's why people didn't understand why Fergie is a duchess and mm. couldn't be a princess. It's because mm. she's not pure. I mean, mm. can we use adult language in this podcast? Yeah, you can. Are we Just say say right, whatever so, you're saying. So this is what people don't understand. In order to be a princess for a royal, the pussy has to be pure. <laughs> <laughs> so so for, for, being... for, for someone like me who doesn't understand what that means. So that means a virgin, yeah? Literally a virgin that no other man is supposed to run up in it. And again, if you've had children or been married before, mm -hmm. then as far as they're concerned, the pussy is not pure. So you can't be a princess. You have to be a duchess. Okay, so that's so how we define so it's based on the that's pussy. Right. Of course, that's why Camilla, yeah, even if, if the Queen died now and Prince Charles was to be king, she would never be Princess Camilla because she had a previous marriage. I don't know if she's had children, but she's had a previous marriage, so it's not pure. Mm. Yeah, same as Fergie. She wasn't, see, it was Princess Diana, yeah. You've got Princess Eugene, you've got Princess mm. blah, blah, blah. Even her children are princesses. But the mother is not a princess because it wasn't pure. She's the duchess wow. of whatever. Wow. So that's why, like, Megan, if... Megan's a different category, but the, the point that I'm making is with um, Harry and William now, because Charles is reaching an age where Charles has already said, listen, I'm in a business about this, you know. There's a time when I was, I was ready to be king, mm. but that time's gone. I'm happy with my little side chick. And everything who's now my, everybody knows this is my main chick i've always loved uh, this but because of duty i was i was willing to sacrifice my love which is camilla for mm. duty which is princess diana so are but you now saying he's, are you saying that so, you so, think charles won't be king no charles charles is already charles will, uh, will abdicate that charles will not be king because william now has the burden of responsibility mm -hmm. and now he's picking up those burdens and those those other um uh, levels of prestige and mm -hmm. pomp and all mm -hmm. that other stuff what goes with being a future king of england mm -hmm. and that's why now he has to distance himself from, from certain William. things what his brother's doing yeah um from what harry's doing what harry's saying because he cannot be king of England and be compromised in some of those things. You see what I mean? So yeah. he's now having to pick up these ways. And Harry's saying to him, you're, you're, got, you're moving like your dad, fam. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> do you remember how, how it was with, with mom? Why are you moving like that, fam? <laughs> Harry's having these conversations with him. Okay, let's move away from the royal family. I am yeah, interested yeah. to find out because I got into comedy by accident. The way what? I discovered, yeah, the way I discovered you and discovered Rudy Liquid was I didn't even know that there was a black scene. I just, you know, literally just went on stage one day and boom, and I started gigging and I found black people. 
<laughs> a bit like so I didn't even know. I didn't even know. I didn't know immediately, honestly. I didn't know immediately that there was a black comedy scene. I had no yeah. idea. I just, you know, wow. I didn't see any division. And then I heard yeah, yeah. about the comedy school and, you know, so it was quite a, an interesting journey for me to discover that there were that many, because I even remember, I remember, because I remember I used to do a lot of stuff on Facebook and Ola, uh, the comedian. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Great yeah, comedian. yeah, yeah, because yeah. I, had, I had a different Facebook page at the time. And I wrote mm -hmm. and I said, wouldn't it be good to see, because I used to watch American comedies. So I said, wouldn't it be mm -hmm. good to see black comics on TV? Wouldn't it be good to see them on stage? Because I wasn't even thinking of, and he wrote, it was very mm -hmm. cryptic. He wrote, we are around. And I didn't have, I had no idea what he meant. Until <laughs> what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was like, it was like a hidden treasure. So yeah. part of what I want to find out from you is, you know, how did you get involved in comedy? Why comedy? And you know your experience and what's happening with the black scene. Obviously, the issues around the lockdown. But you know, I do the mainstream circuit. I do a of few. Course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do a few black gigs. But it was it was a hidden treasure, hidden, enlightening treasure. But over to you. Yeah, I, you know what? I I I have to laugh because I think that it is a hidden treasure. To be honest with you, and I, I'll explain to you why I'm laughing is because I had a similar experience as well that my only reference to black comedy when I was probably uh, doing a night of five was Lenny Henry. Lenny Henry, Charlie Williams, one or two other people. And that was it. I, I had no idea that there was a black comedy circuit. Mm -hmm. Even there was one of, there was a vibrant one in my own area where I, I'm born and raised in Northwest London called um, Nubian Spotlight at the time. But I think I was in South London, so that's probably why I didn't, know anything about it so one of my school friends had actually set that up so what i used to watch a lot of american comedy so i was watching bet comic view of course deaf comedy jam you know we, we I, I i my first true love of stand-up was probably richard Pryor. i've seen all the eddie murphys and so i had a continuous relationship and love for black american stand-up comedy and then one day i went um, with work to a comedy we, we used to go comedy um, clubs all the time on comedy shows but we went to one i can't remember where it was and oh, every apart from the host who was all right the the, the comedians who were coming on were absolutely terrible they were rubbish <laughs> and we was just heckling them because you know, yeah. you know, the banter in a working environment is is heavy, mm. and it was me, uh, all of my, my my Caucasian work friends, and one of my other black um, workers was there. So it's just me and one other black guy. And the rest, of it, everybody was heckling, heckling, and then I saw stepped on stage a face that was familiar to me. This was a face that I saw being introduced on a two nine one club at Hackney Empire and before the guy even managed to say anything the crowd booed him off and I remembered his face and this guy was Rudy Liquid and he came on stage and obviously he'd been seeing what's happening with some of the other comics and so I think one of my white work friends opened their mouth to say something to Rudy and Rudy just annihilated him <laughs> absolutely annihilated him you know he's he, he sent that guy into witness protection that's, that's that's 
he could he could never leave that building with his name again because Rudy had destroyed <laughs> him as a person, as a, as a man, everything. They absolutely destroyed him. And me and my black friend looked at each other and we just went, the man bad, you know, the man bad. <laughs> <laughs> so we we knew we was in the presence of somebody who knew what they was doing. Mm-hmm. And that was the first um, live black comedian I saw was, was Rudy Liquid. And then it was years later that I kind of literally stumbled into the, the, the black comedy scene. Uh, when I when I made that decision that I wanted to do comedy, I wanted to do stand up comedy, um, and uh, I became aware of it obviously because of the real McCoy. That's when I first saw um, on TV UK black comedians, and I was like, "Wow, they are black comedians over here!" And that was my first introduction to them. But I didn't see any black live comedy shows until I made that journey into be- becoming a comedian. And then I'm, I became aware of like John Simmet who, from Upfront Comedy, who was at the time and probably still is one of the biggest comedy promoters in the UK. There was another comedy uh, promoter, uh, Mark, uh, Marcus Simmons and a guy called Bert Laurent, who on a Monday night, uh, once a month at the mon- on, uh, on a Monday night, they had um, uh, In The House Comedy, which was at the Comedy Store. Now that was a gig that everybody wanted to do but you would only get on that gig if you, if you had 20 minutes. You had to have a full set to get on that. They wasn't given no tryout spots, no open mics, none of that. You had to be established or you had to be really good to get on that. And that was a, that was a, a gig that every new comic wanted to get on. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And then there was other people like uh, Kwaku, mm-hmm. uh, the prophet Kwaku, who had a uh, comedy slam he had which was usually in South London and at Battersea Art Centre. So you're talking about an audience of 400, 600. Wow. Um, yeah, man. And it was like, when you went to that show, it was just, because, you know, when, when you're used to, like, starting off as a comedian, you do the open mic circuit mm-hmm. and you do, like, the, the main circuit. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you go to the comedy store, the most you, you've got in the comedy store is 400. Mm-hmm. You know, I think around about 400, 450, probably mm-hmm. the capacity. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the other comedy clubs, are, they're... they're, they're Capacity-wise, you're, you're touching 100 to 200, the biggest of them. So now when you're doing something like Battersea Art Centre and you're, you're in front of 400, 600 black people. <laughs> wow, you feel like Jesus up there on the Mount, on Mount Sinai when it's going good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When it's going bad, you feel like Jesus on the cross. <laughs> <laughs> it's like crucifixion, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh man. So it was. It was. It was lovely. Just discovering the same thing like yourself. Discovering all these things. I mean, the comedy circuit now has moved on. So uh, you know, we've got some bigger platforms now. We're talking like you know, Alpo Stamina with with Shepherd's mm-hmm. Bush Empire, mm-hmm. Broadway Theatre, Catford, mm-hmm. um, the O2 Indigo, mm-hmm. which you know, mm-hmm. again, we're talking thousands. Um, so yeah, you know, there's 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 been some bigger 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 platforms and venues uh, along the journey but I mean I think that's one of the things that makes our our scene so vibrant and the reasons why uh, a lot of our comedians who who have honed their skills in the black comedy circuit are ready to perform anywhere in the world Mm, on mm, any given mm, any given mm, platform any given stage mm, we're good to go because mm, we've had our our baptism by fire in the uk so it's it's fair to say that the the black comics that we see now on tv are doing very well 
started mm-hmm. in the black mm-hmm. comedy scene, didn't they? That's where they really well, honed their craft before crossing over. I would say I would say the majority of them. Majority. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's some who have just done the mainstream circuit mm-hmm. and they've and they've managed to to to, to progress to mm-hmm. becoming uh, quite regular names on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we look at somebody like Nathan Caton, for example, mm-hmm. um, you may not see Nathan on any kind of black comedy show over the mm-hmm. uh, over the last three to four years. Mm-hmm. However, he very much started. Uh, on the black comedy circuit and 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 definitely got his confidence and his swagger from from here before mm-hmm. he kind of Crossing elevated on, on the crossover uh ava vadal would be another one i'd, mm-hmm. I'd probably say mm-hmm. um don't i'm not saying that they wasn't doing the, the white comedy circuit at the same time but yeah. the black comedy circuit definitely kind of gave them that little kind of edge some people would disagree it's just about personal personal opinions um but you know when we look at somebody like um, Britain's Got Talent, the, the winners, uh, not the winners, that the, those have done really well, like, you mm. know, the Kojos mm. and the Bills. Um, it, it's really interesting. It, Sorry, I've got to say mm-hmm. this. It's really interesting because I had Nabil on the podcast. And it's really interesting that all the Black acts who've been on Britain's Got Talent, we all believe that they won. <laughs> we're saying that. <laughs> Even though they were just finalists. It's just, it's just weird. It's just weird. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, in 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 our eyes, you you, you get on that program, you and you do. If you if you if you showcase yourself in that program and you get through again, you're a winner, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's so much what goes into to altering your material, mm-hmm. getting through all of the censorships and mm-hmm. all of that nonsense, the red tape that mm-hmm. you know, um, having to sit down and really kind of like uh, say why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, why am I here with people who've just discovered talent mm-hmm. or people who have just on their, on the, on the beginning of their journey into saying, Hey, I can sing. Hey, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. and I've been doing this for like 10 years plus. And that's, what's really, that's one of the things I was going to ask you, because a lot of those who've been on BGT, they've been, I'm sure they wouldn't mind me saying, They've been going on for years. I mean, they've been honing their craft for well over 10 years, 10, 15 years. Why has it taken that long for black comics to showcase their talent in the mainstream? Well, it's, it's, it's simple. It's, it's the gatekeepers. That's all it is. It's the gatekeepers. There's been, there's been glass ceilings. There's a, there's a, I shouldn't say a glass ceiling. There's a class ceiling. Mm-hmm. When it comes to certain types of entertainment on t- TV, mm-hmm. and that class ceiling has been there for a while, um, mm-hmm. it's starting to. You think it's shifting? Yes, it, it, yeah, and the reasons why it's shifting is because you know, from definitely from events what have happened last year, we're mm-hmm. in a changing world mm-hmm. now, um, and a challenging world, I'd mm-hmm. like to say. However, before that. You know, there's there's two things which have have caused the, that class ceiling to to start to to to, to melt away, mm-hmm. which is social media and digital media. Mm-hmm. So what has that's allowed people like Mo, Judy Love, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen so many people who have who have through the power of their own social media mm-hmm. and the fact that they can now use a phone or get access to a digital camera. Mm-hmm. to record their talent and put mm-hmm. it out there into the social media world mm-hmm. for all to see 
and increased their fan base, it's allowed them to leapfrog any kind of stairways or gatekeepers mm-hmm. uh, into people's homes. Mm-hmm. And that's been the big. That's been the big thing that's uh, that's created that big shift. Mm. I think. Mm. And do you do you think in the future that gatekeepers will become less relevant? Uh, yeah, definitely, they will become less relevant. And what will happen is that you know we've we've started to see it already in advertising mm-hmm. that um, once upon a time advertising adver- uh, people who made adverts and did the marketing were of a certain type of um, background, mm-hmm. a certain type of education, and they mm-hmm. lived in a certain um, part of the uh, part of the country in a certain type of demographic and voted mm-hmm. a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. So they made re- uh, adverts which reflected what they saw and what they thought. Mm -hmm. and their political persuasions Mm -hmm. and they made sure that they were glass ceilings in place so that certain peoples and certain looks and types were not getting through Mm -hmm. so i know 22 years ago when i started doing stand-up comedy you was lucky if you saw a black person in an advert absolutely lucky whereas today 2021 i'm looking at adverts and thinking hold on I'm looking to see, can I see an advert without a black person? <laughs> and that's because the marketing executive, executives have, have got younger mm. and they've, they've been brought up on, on, on different cultures mm-hmm. and mm. they've mixed with different types of people and different mm. walks of life, even if they've come from a privileged background. Mm. They don't necessarily hold the viewpoints of their parents or definitely not of their grandparents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they see the world completely different. And, and because of that, they're willing to, to, to be able to say, well, I want to show what I see in this world. Mm-hmm. But I'm not scared to, to, to add color or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. whether the color be black or the color be red and mm-hmm. yellow mm-hmm. and pink mm-hmm. and blue. Mm-hmm. I'm and green. I can see a rainbow, see a rainbow. Right. You, you get the dream yeah yeah, I get yeah, yeah 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 but but also so all I, colors yeah are, are represented yeah but also i've always felt the difference between britain and america is the fact that we also have black people who are in the positions of power to make apart from the the, the white people who are younger there are people mm. who are black people who are in positions of power who actually make those you know so it's not just about having uh people involved in comedy just on stage but actually they're behind the scenes they're the producers, they're the scriptwriters, they're the ones who actually make the decisions in terms of who they're going to cast. That's where we need to be in Britain, isn't it? 100%. And, you know, there, there are some people who are making inroads into that. I know mm. uh, Sir Lenny Henry has been championing that for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some there's some other great people like Jimmy Akinbola, Fraser Ayers as well, mm-hmm. um, and Chidi Akindulu mm-hmm. uh, with their Triforce um, mm-hmm. um, productions. Mm-hmm. They're very much trying to get behind the scenes, get um, more people of colour into the, you know, the producing, the directing, think, yeah. uh, production, uh, mm. So they're very much championing that at the moment, and they're doing a lot of hard work behind the scenes to challenge that. Um, again, you know, uh, even through Lenny Henry's production company, Douglas Douglas Road, mm. with Angela Ferreira down there, they they are trying to initiate change, um, not just uh, in front of the screen, but behind the screen as right. well. Yeah. So there's lots yeah. of other organisations really trying to trying to do that and again i think we've seen that with the appointment of um june sarpong 
mm-hmm. in the it, the diversity uh, network. Well, yeah, BBC, BBC, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you know, uh, and these people have got some some real bright ideas, and they're really trying to make uh, change mm-hmm. uh, within within the, the the infrastructure of of what we see as regards to entertainment. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, it, it's it's starting to happen. Mm, excellent starting to happen man excellent you also for your sins you're a comedy teacher yeah 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 Yeah, you teach you teach i know you've taught so many there's so many people that you've that have been through your either your school or you've you've what comedy school comedy school and Mm -hmm. how does it feel when you see a graduate of yours doing very well and you see them on tv or you see them you know you see how, how does it feel it's 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 you know what at first i think i was uh, i was um when i first started i think like the, the ego kicks in it's like yo yeah that's that's what that's one of my former students so you, you feel proud <laughs> it's almost like you know if, you, if your child goes on to to become you know the four f1 champion you say to yourself i did that yeah, i yeah. created that. that yeah yeah but the reality is, my brother, that some people are destined to become stars in this thing. And I think mm-hmm. that I, I'm just a, a, an integral part of their journey. Mm-hmm. And Because I think with, with stand-up, the beginning bit is sometimes the most challenging. Mm-hmm. And if, if I can get somebody's head right in, in the beginning, then they stand a very good chance of succeeding in this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's just, I'm just one piece of, of many jigsaw puzzles mm-hmm. in, on that person's journey to where they are now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people like Dame Baptiste, Judy Love, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can't make any claims with Mo at all. Um, Sarah Callahan? Oh God. Sarah Callahan, Quincy, Marlon, Davis, mm-hmm. um, there's there's a loads of names there's loads mm. and loads and loads of names but i think that you know those people put in so much hard work mm-hmm. that i i cannot claim any credit for mm. it i was just mm. as i said a, a piece in the, in the in the in the puzzle and i think it's important for people to understand that um for me it was a sense of duty number one mm-hmm. that i've got all this knowledge i've got the skills as a tutor Mm. Um, I've got the skills of somebody who's who's been studying personal development and how the mind works from from since I was around about fourteen, mm-hmm. bro. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I stand on that whole corporate experience of being the only person in my office who, apart from my managers, my senior managers, was on personal development. Mm-hmm. I'd put myself on courses, come back, mm-hmm. and I'd share the knowledge with mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. other coworkers. So because I've got that, and again, I'm a I'm a trained um, tutor, uh, qualified assessor. Mm-hmm. So I've got those skills already because you know a lot of people want to say that those who can't teach, uh, I'm qualified to teach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I do the do as well. So mm-hmm. I don't just do stand up. I put on shows. I promote comedy. Mm-hmm. I curate shows up and down the country and abroad as well. So mm-hmm. I've done it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that those people. Uh, it's their hard work that they've mm. put into it, man, and they richly deserve all what they've got, okay. you know. And 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 I, I'm proud of them now from a point of view where I've seen them on their journey, proud, mm-hmm. not not that 
I'm responsible for that mm-hmm, crowd. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 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 yeah, man, it, it's a good feeling and it's a wholesome feeling that I've got for these people, these individuals. You're you're very humble because I know some people who would say, ah, that person, I trained her, I trained, her. <laughs> I trained him. He was my graduate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's it's, it's, just a, it's a piece because, like, you know what? There's one or two people who who, who can make that claim with me, mm. but. The, the truth is that my experience with with within a workshop or whatever mm-hmm. um you know I, if i'm being honest as regards to like who i am as, as a comedian and who i am as a person if there's if the you know because I, I probably did around about three comedy courses um mm-hmm. rudy liquid mm-hmm. um jefferson and whitfield uh chris head mm-hmm. um oh gosh man greg in America, I forgot his surname's gone out of my head. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I've done like five stand-up comedy workshops and I might have done one or two others. Mm-hmm. Um, comedy school was a big impact because that was the first one. Mm-hmm. A big impact, uh, again, and just understanding that there's tools and techniques and Rudy mm-hmm. was a very, very, very um, passionate mm-hmm. teacher. Mm-hmm. He loves comedy to the bone mm-hmm. and everything. Um, so that gave me the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Um, Jefferson and Whitfield, I, I, I met up with other people mm-hmm. who became comedy brothers and we, we did the journey together. A guy mm-hmm. called Terry Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg Dean, again, gave me some real good golden nuggets. And mm-hmm. um, again, he's just he's just got a passion and a love for comedy unlike any other. Chris Head, again, just some different techniques. So everybody's giving me some good techniques. Mm. And, some, and, and just a little bit of a, p- p- a piece of puzzle and just thinking, okay, I can try this from a different mm. angle. Mm. But the main influence for me as, as who I am as a comedian and who I am as a person would be um, Tony Robbins. Okay. Tony Robbins changed this game for me because there's stuff that I've got in my head that I've known from since I was a child, mm-hmm. but I could never articulate it or explain it. Mm-hmm. And he was the first one that made me understand who I am and the reason why I think the way I think and how I can use this to, to, to influence other people in a structured and logical way. Mm-hmm. So again, so like the way how I teach comedy is in some places a little bit unorthodox in some places. And, you know, probably what I, I was doing 14 years ago, I couldn't do now because, you know, I, I listen, uh, the world has changed. <laughs> the world has changed. The world has changed. You know what I mean, yeah, because I'd, I'd shake up some people, um, mm. and I'm that kind of teacher where you know, mm. uh, even when I was teaching adults, mm. I, I've locked adults into my classroom who wanted to leave and tell mm. them, yeah, you have no option. That's very dictator. That's defense. like a dictator. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. Because that's what it is. When you come into my classroom, mm. you leave your ego at the door mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. surrender yourself to me. Mm. Mm. and my ways and and it is very egotistical mm. but that's the that's about building the trust and, and surrendering yourself to this art form yeah and on this journey and you know and and i think so for, for me you know you know tony robbins is probably the biggest influencer in in the way how i think and the way how i i i teach and and who i am as a person but those other five people i mentioned would say that yes mr c that's my former comedy stu- student um and and they've played a little part in my journey mm-hmm. you know and so again that's why i have to kind of be humble 
Mm-hmm. I'd say, like, even though, you know, uh, you know, certain people, Dane Baptiste, blah, 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 they had this gift already, mm-hmm. man, and they were mm-hmm. born to do it. So mm-hmm. I've, I've just given them that little gentle push mm-hmm. in certain areas and just tightened up one or two of the many bolts, what they've had, what mm-hmm. made them the great comedians they are. Okay. Next question. Considering that you, you're, you're a comedy teacher, you're a comedian, vast amounts of experience, you would have noticed that there are also comedians who... How do you feel when you see comedians who are self-thought, who haven't been to comedy school, natural, funny comedians, just trying to find their way through the journey? How does that, how, how do you, because I'm sure you've seen so many of them, including myself, <laughs> as an example. Listen, listen. my brother, this, this is how I look at it, is that, you know, <clears throat> there's some people who can do things naturally. I mean, I, I, I knew that if there, if there wasn't no comedy school, if there was no other workshops or anything, mm. I would still be doing this. Yeah. Um, but the, the the skills what I've picked up from that workshop have given me uh, a much broader range of mm-hmm. skills mm-hmm. than probably some of those who are more naturally at doing it. Mm. However, those who are naturally doing it have honed in on what's good for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they've amplified that to a, le- a level of genius. So if we talk about somebody like Danny Slim Gray, for example, mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever done a workshop. However, it don't don't think that he hasn't studied the art. Yeah, he's put yeah. the hard work in. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people feel that he just gets he just wakes up in the morning and just jumps on a stage. He doesn't, man. To 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 consistently be as great not as good as great mm. as what he did de- he demonstrates mm-hmm. he puts a lot of hard work into it mm. he doesn't mm. take anything for granted, granted yeah. and that's where you know where somebody may have um they understand the tools and the techniques mm-hmm. he's putting the hard work in mm-hmm. you know kane mm-hmm. brown is another one there's so mm-hmm. many like again like you said yourself there's a mm-hmm. lot of people who uh because they haven't gone to either university yeah yeah. They haven't gone to, you know, but they're still successful in what they do. I mean, mm-hmm. look, if we take Richard Branson, for example, Richard mm-hmm. Branson didn't go to university to become the entrepreneur that he is. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Boris Johnson went to university. <laughs> I actually said that uh, Britain now needs to move away from all these eating and Oxford graduates in terms of running the country. They need to go back to the if they could possibly you know but john major for example he's not one of them he didn't go to Eton or oxford mm. get go, go back to hackney you know go back to inner city places we'll run the country for them you know but anyway that's that's uh that's for another day um well what would you like to see in 10 years time in terms of the black comedy scene wow 10 years time yeah, I'd I, I love to see um, literally what's happening now. I'd like to see a, a fair and even. Uh, I, I, all right. Number one, what I'd love to see, I'd love to see a, 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 a black UK comedy circuit. So even as much as like how, you know, we, we, we had junglers with Chad clubs up and down the country. I'd like to see the black equivalent to that. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. Um, I think that our American counterparts have that. You know, if you go to America, you can do the whole university scene um there's 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 comedy clubs all over you know the whole of uh, america and you know you can connect the dots and do the do the do the whole thing i think we need to do that with the uk um i think that 
us as comedians, we need to find some way of pooling our money together and owning something. You know, it's, 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 it's horrendous that I've been doing it 22 years. Um, Slim's probably doing it 26 years. Richard Blackwood, 27, 28 years. Wow. Lee Liquid probably coming into 30 years. Angie Lamar coming into 30 years or whatever. Wow. And uh, collectively, we don't own anything as regards to a comedy club or a venue. It's ridiculous. We've, we've, we've paid so many fees to venues. Mm. We now need to start building our own. Mm. Um, what, 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 has, what has stopped, what has stopped the pioneers from actually collaborating together to, to have a, uh, you're right, to have a club or just, just have somewhere permanent where people, I know there was, there was, I think, probably two years ago or so, Rudy tried to do something where mm -hmm. all the black comics come and test new material. Mm -hmm. What, what, mm -hmm. what has stopped? What, what, what stopped people from doing that? I think what, what's happened with our pioneers. What we got to understand is that our pioneers they embraced, um, they embraced the first time where there was the glass ceiling was opened. Mm -hmm. And they went through the, the skylight and they had get up, stand up, A-Force, mm, mm. Real McCoy, um, blouse and skirts. Mm. And then somebody didn't like what was happening and they literally cemented the glass ceiling mm. and didn't allow any of them to come through again. Because when you when you look at it, you know, the likes of Curtis Walker, Angela Mark, mm. um, uh, Leo Muhammad, mm. um, you know, Jeff Schumann, Richard mm. Blackwood, probably an exception to the rule because Richard had his Channel 4 program. Mm. Um, Rudy Liquid, Jefferson and Whitford, the, 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 um, Jeff Amer, uh, Marcus Powell, mm. Felicity Ethnic, Gina Yashere. They all should be UK household names. Mm -hmm. You know, Luella Gideon, Gideon mm. they should all be, you know, Roger D should be all household, Todju household names, UK yeah. names. Mm -hmm. Because when we look at our American counterparts who started that, who was on that same kind of journey, they are household names. Mm. You know, they've they've gone, they've migrated from stand-up comedy to to sitcoms, yeah, from sitcoms, sitcoms yeah. to films, from films to game shows. Mm. You know, we've seen the Americans do it. You've seen Martin Lawrence, we've seen um, Steve mm. Harvey, we've seen mm. Chris Rock, we've seen Eddie Murphy, we've seen mm. all of their comedians mm. do that proper journey of an entertainer. Mm. Acting you know, as well. When we look at our great, huh? sorry, sorry, acting, acting, acting in films, yeah, 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 Hollywood films, films. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've seen them all go through that journey, but when mm. we look at ours, Lenny Henry's is probably the closest, and even still, you know, you, 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 we've seen Lenny Henry in probably two films, and that's Sir Lenny Henry. <laughs> that's a sir. <laughs> he's he's got a knighthood to Ram Scram, and still is he, is like. We don't see him in, you see what I mean? So it, it just goes to show the level of, of, of um, I can only put it down as wickedness and denial that these guys had to go through, you mm -hmm. know? And I've heard the stories, man. I've heard the stories, not because they wasn't trying, they wasn't mm -hmm. working hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They was on their craft, man. Mm -hmm. You know, Gina Yashere, Rudy Liquid, um, Curtis Walker, uh, the likes of, they were closing shows up and down the country for junglers. Mm. So it's not like Middle England hadn't mm. seen them mm. and didn't recognize that they were funny. It was this class ceiling which said, mm. no blacks, 
and no working class. Mm. We're not going to elevate you. We don't want you. So it was, it was, yeah, it was difficult for them, man. Mm. Really, mm. really difficult for them. And mm. I think that, you know, they had been denied a legacy, mm. which would have, which would have created something really special for the, my generation mm. and the generation that came after me. Mm. So we've missed out on like literally three generations of greatness in this country. True. Yeah. Um, and we're just seeing now the fourth generation of, because of social media and yeah, digital yeah. media, mm. they're, they're, they're showing uh, how good and how great they are. Yeah. But they're doing that from zero, bruv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Did know, you yeah, I got, I got you. I got you. And, and all due respect to them, and I continue to wish them every success because, the, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure they will continue to grow. The, the the other thing I've noticed as well is because I I remember in order for you to make it as an actor and especially mm -hmm. as a black actor, you will have to go to the States to make it before you're recognized. And I'm seeing that you have black comics who are having to leave the UK to go and make it in the US. So Gina Yashere is, is one of mm -hmm. them. There's mm -hmm. someone else, uh, I used to gig, she won't remember this, I gigged with her so many Still years ago. Um, Miss London? Right? Yeah, Miss, Miss London. London. Yeah, Miss London. Uh, we, th there was a time we saw Andy show, but she seems to have disappeared from the scene, but you know, she did, mm -hmm. all I remember, she appeared in Life of the Apollo. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you think that's what needs to happen for a black comic that he, that person, in order to move, because so, Dame Baptist is doing well, and I'm sure there will be a time when he will decide, damn, I I'm, I can't speak for him, but mm -hmm. it, it, there's going to be a time where he might hit the glass ceiling and just say, screw it, I'm going to the US, you know, to explore and do bigger things. So the question really is, black comics going to the US to make it, that's what's happening now, isn't it? I, I think, yeah, I mean, look, America's always shown the world that yeah we have our problems of race like mm. anywhere else in mm. in the western society however what we will not do is deny people opportunities mm. to reach that to reach and fulfill their greatness mm. Mm. you know if if you can make some green i don't care whether you're black yellow or blue let's make some green together mm. 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 and and they've to be honest with you even through the, the wickedest of their, their 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 racist system they've always been been like that yeah you know yeah whereas over here i think it's been a lot it's been since the 60s since the 70s it's been a lot more covert mm -hmm. um and then from the from the 80s late 90s from, from the late 90s upwards it's it's literally they they've, they've tried to pretend like racism isn't a problem here mm. Mm. and that everything is fine mm. um but the, tr the truth is the institutes have still been operating at the highest level mm. um so like and and again that it goes right across entertainment it, it's not just about with acting or mm. with comedy mm. it's, it's mm. the same with music mm. you know we look at somebody like um estelle for example mm. mm -hmm. so estelle used to do my show when mm. i first started doing Come make we laugh. So down mm. at Corkswine Bar, mm. Binney Street. Mm. So I used to have singers and poets as well as mm. comedians perform. Mm. Estelle was good to go then. Mm. So 22 years ago when she sung, she was brilliant then. Mm. Mm -hmm. Blow a tree. 
who was doing their poetry, singing their unique style, what they did on their Floetry album, they was doing that live 22 years ago. They was doing that back then. So Estelle, boom. Um, was it Drake who saw her? Mm-hmm. Brought her over, American girl. Rest is history. Mm. Floetry. They went. They went over America. Did a few recordings over there. Philly Grammy nominated. Mm. Rest is history. Mm. You see what I mean? So we, we're seeing this cycle and this pattern of our, of our people going to America. And 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 don't get me wrong. They're putting in the hard work. It's not mm. like you just stand. Mm. You, you step on the shore in America, and then all of a sudden you're a star. Because there's a lot of people who've gone to America. And I've had to come back with their tails behind it between their legs. Yeah, it's like a it's like, lot of people. It's almost like you're saying, Oh, I'm relocating back to Nigeria, <laughs> and then it doesn't work, and you come back. <laughs> a lot of people, my friend. Yeah, a yeah, lot of people. Yeah. yeah. But again, there's there's a lot of people who are making a decent and a damn decent living in America mm. because it's just it's just so much more fairer. Mm, than mm, over here and mm, again there, there's more opportunities over mm, there mm, than than over here mm, at the moment but again mm, i said think things are starting to change mm, but mm, we'll see how how whether it's a fad mm-hmm. or whether it's really a a, a change that's going to be you know it's going to re- uh, materialize what we hope to see in the next 10 years time yeah look this has been this has been fantastic i, I love the art of conversation Every guest that I've invited in on here, we do nothing less than 45 minutes. Not that it's planned to do <laughs> less than 45 minutes, but this is this is great. I have one task for you. Okay, uh, sir. And and uh, it 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 it's it's an instruction because if you don't do it, then you're in trouble. I would like to get Gina Yashere onto my podcast, and I know you've got her contact details. So it'd be good to have an interview with her if it's at all possible. Um so I'm gonna I'm going to I'm going to put you on the spot that you will commit to that <laughs> or you will find well, a way well what what i will say to you is that uh, uh, sir i think what you need to do is i always think that words are very powerful yes and a person's heart and soul uh, when it comes through with the words it makes a big difference so mm-hmm. you send me a little video mm-hmm. asking uh, gina yashere uh, in the manner that she should be asked and I will make sure that 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 video gets sent to her, and then we'll see uh, what would happen. But I will let you know that I know she is very if busy. She can do it. Mm. If she can do it, she will. But she is extremely busy I know. at the I moment. Know. I know. Extremely I know. busy. I know. I know. But, but I, I will have. I have no problem in in sending that request in to her. Okay. And I, I will. I will. I will say a few words myself my brother okay cool. <laughs> cool i wasn't planning to but i just thought why why not why not why not and i'm present she should yeah <laughs> go on my, my brother if there's one thing what i've learned probably around about seven years ago i mm-hmm. had this this um this realization mm-hmm. and the realization was there was times where i was worrying how can i do this how can mm-hmm. i do that mm-hmm. I haven't got this amount of resource. I haven't got mm-hmm. this. I haven't got that. Mm-hmm. And I love stillness of the night. Mm-hmm. You know, a while back, my, my average bedtime is between two and four in the morning. Mm-hmm. And people always say, why you go to bed? So I say, you know what? I love the stillness of night. Mm-hmm. There's no interruptions. Anybody who's up at that time of night, they're not messaging my phone. They're in mm-hmm. their deep thought. I mean, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a lovely time to get work done. And for me, it's like, if I'm working between two and four in the morning, 
Mm-hmm. My work is done before you've even woken up mm-hmm. at six or whatever time you're waking mm-hmm. up. My, mm-hmm. my work is done. And in that stillness, a voice said to me, all that you need, you've already got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just need to ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, the, 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 the simplest of things, man, mm-hmm. we hold the power within ourselves mm-hmm. and we just have to ask. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Ask a question mm-hmm. and be prepared for either a yes or a, or a no. no. I, I, I wrote on my uh, Facebook personal page uh, yesterday that uh, I won't say yesterday was a bad day, but everything I asked for was a no. You know, you know, one of those days where can, can you get me this? No. Can you get me this? No. And I said, the next day, I know it's going to be a yes. <laughs> I just know it's going to be a yes. I can sense God, that you are very philosophical uh, oh, yeah. in, in your in your approach. That does that translate into your comedy in any shape or form? Oh, one hundred percent. You know, like I, you know, there's times in my comedy where I just want to be an ass and just and just do the stupidest of jokes. Mm. But there's times I, I want to challenge my audience's um, viewpoint of how they think. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to play sometimes with the things which they believe about themselves and what mm-hmm. they believe about the world and challenge those beliefs. And, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's got pillars, what they stand on as mm-hmm. regards to their beliefs. And I think it's my duty sometimes as a, as a comedian to sweep away your feet from underneath yeah. you. Yeah. And when you land, how do you stand up? Mm-hmm. Once I've taken away those things which you believe in, mm-hmm. And I've shown you now that, that this is this could possibly be nonsense. This could possibly be false. Mm-hmm. How do you stand back up? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, this is something I used to always do as 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 a young man before mm-hmm. I started doing comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to have great fun in doing it, in mm-hmm. literally um, destroying somebody's personality. Mm-hmm. I used to love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I revel in it. Yeah, uh, especially in my workplaces and you know social places. Mm-hmm. But then what I, I realize is that I, I've got a duty of care as well. Mm-hmm. Um, with what I say to people and the reasons why I do things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so even like again, just saying you know, um, asking you know, just asking you rec- you you'll receive. Mm-hmm. But again, it's about how you ask a question. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people pray, but how do you pray? Mm-hmm. You know, mm. a lot of people, you see, like, I, I used to use the example of, you see, like, black people with business, it'd be mm. like, I could have a good business idea. And I'd be like, oh, oh boy, a bonjo, man. Um, look, um, I've got a, I've got a real good business idea, bruv. But mm. you know what? I ain't got the money to do it. C- mm. Could you kind of, like, lend me, like, five grand, bruv? Mm. And once my business is up and running, I'm going to give it back to you. And, mm. I, I, you know, but I, I, I need five grand. Mm. And that's how a lot of black people ask for things. Mm. Yeah. Now, when me, as somebody says, comes to, to me with that, it's like, boy, five mm. grand, you know, that's a lot of money. <laughs> but you see, it's the way how, it, how the question was asked. Mm. If that was Richard Branson or somebody who's an entrepreneur was asking, it'd mm. be different. It'd be like, President Aboncho, bruv, I've got to tell you about this exciting yeah. thing yeah. that I'm doing. Uh, bruv, this thing here, let me show you my business plan. Let me show you the, the, the research mm-hmm, that I've mm-hmm. been doing, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Now, your initial investment, yeah, should really be seven grand. 
my mm. brother, because I know you, I'm going to give you an investment of five, I'm going to make you have an investment of five grand, and mm. this is going to be your growth. Mm. I'm still asking you for the five grand, mm. but there's a difference in how I'm asking. And this is yeah. what yeah. I kind of want people to understand that everything we do mm. is about us and mm. how we interact with other people. Mm. Mm. It's not about the other person because a lot of people say, you know what, a bonjour's my friend and I'm asking to give me five grand and now he ain't giving me the five grand for my business and my business is falling because of him. Because mm. I know <laughs> he's, got, he's the president of the last republic and I know he's got around about 50 million, but he don't want to give me five, <laughs> five grand. You see how a black man is not helping black man? Right. <laughs> so all of a sudden it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm mm. not taking responsibility for the way how I've asked mm. you, how mm. I put it together how mm. I've presented it. Mm -hmm. That's my responsibility. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I got that. I got that. And I think, I think for but, some people, the fear of uh, rejection, you know, especially when it comes to asking people for money or, or, or financial help or, you know, investing. You know, I, I know I know that for a fact, but the people get really afraid of, oh, ah, I feel very embarrassed by the fact that, you know, I asked Mr. C something and he said, no, he couldn't possibly do it. You know, but... Yeah. yeah, my brother, that's the thing, that's the key. We yeah. have to accept that mm. with a question, mm. yes or no, no. and accept yeah. it. Mm. The mm. same energy, the mm. same love. Mm. Somebody mm. says yes to you, love. If somebody mm. says no to you, love. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And once we mm. accept that, once we understand these basic things in life, Mm. We don't have enough problems, bro. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? You're yeah. able to grow beards. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> So look, this has been really interesting and uh, thank you so much. Uh, if people want to find you, where can they find you? People listening, okay. because this is going to be on YouTube and it's also going to be, there's going to be an audio version. So okay. where, where can people find you? If, if people want to find me, you have to get in contact with MI5, MI6, <laughs> FBI. Because I'm a ghost. You can't find me. You can't find me. I will find you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for Mr. C, well, I tell you from now, you can't find me. Because I've got, I've got a set of skills that I've acquired over a very long career. A career that makes me a nightmare for people like you. Yeah. Now, if you're a friend of Mr. Obonjo, you'll be able to find me at Mr. C, comedian, on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. <laughs> I will kill you with laughter. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, you can say he's talented. Look, thank you so much for joining me. This has been worth one hour, 15 minutes uh, of my time. It's been valuable. Uh, lots of uh, information, education on black comedy. And I've gotten to know you better. Uh, as a person and and uh, so bless up that's that's one of the, that's one of the things i like you saying bless up your, bless your up, little bro. message bless up so thank you so much and i wish you well and hopefully we will see each other in the comedy scene soon once the civilian prime minister allows us out <laughs> definitely man. and i just want to say uh, on a serious note so yeah it's at mr c comedian on twitter instagram yeah. facebook is c styley mm -hmm. um Websites will be launched uh, later on this year. So it'll be mrc.com, mm. of course, mm. and entertainment.com. Uh, um, but also look out for, uh, I'm going to be doing a comedy festival later on in this year as well. Ah, so, okay. uh, yeah, man. So look out. And again, there's a wonderful charity that I'm involved with. It's called Equality is Legacy. 
Mm-hmm. I'll say it one more time. Equality is legacy. Where on the 9th of October, this is an exclusive I'm giving to President Abonjo. There's going to be an all-star charity football game. Wow. And it's going to be held at Stamford Bridge. And it's going to be an absolutely amazing thing. So these are some of the things which we are doing behind the scenes as well, people. So watch out for that. And a fantastic book called Consequences by a comedian called Peter Francis. Yes, yes. So there you go. So all exclusive. All exclusive. All exclusive. Got. Yeah. So you've got, you've got, you, I, he's been, he's being polite uh, and he's, I know it's happening. I want, if you're listening to this, you have to be there. My people will find you if you don't come. So, uh, Mr. Definitely. C, thank you so much. And uh, my pleasure. I, I my hope you've enjoyed it I've as much. Say is salute to the president. Thank you. You're an outstanding, outstanding diplomat, sir. I love your work. I love your legacy. I love what you're doing and the way how you are, how you conduct yourself in uniform and out uniform is of the highest human behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a pleasure knowing you. It's always a pleasure working with you. Um, no matter how high I climb or how low I get, whenever you call, man, I'll always be on the other end. Man. Well, let me, the Nigerian in me is telling me, you are not going down, no. You will always be up, 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 up. Come on, <laughs> my brother. If I, if I went on down, 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 <laughs> I still shine brightly. No, no, no. You are staying up in Jesus' name. Yeah. Continue to stay up. Come on. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you very much. We are much. taking elevator to success, my brother, together. <laughs> it is not your portion to go 